0: Hello friends of Soul Kitchen Thank you for listening to my podcast My name is Jasper Mozart I'm an entrepreneur, adventurer, coach and wisdom seeker With Soul Kitchen I interview people that inspire me From TED speakers to social entrepreneurs From activists to artists From dreamers to seekers From business people to spiritual teachers With Soul Kitchen, I empower people to live their quest. And each episode contains a recipe for life. What is your quest? Welcome, friends, to a new episode of the Soul Kitchen. I am in Costa Rica at this moment, uh, talking to Max Stossel. And what I like about podcasting is once you start a project, everything kind of flows automatically, because one of the previous guests, Sasha, introduced me to Max So that's kind of a great example of how podcasts flow automatically. And Max is a storyteller, a poet, and a filmmaker named by Forbes as one of the storytellers of the years. And with his new special, Words That Move, he's traveling around the world uh, digitally and, uh, and also in real life. Hello, Max. How are you doing today?
1: I'm good. It's good to be here. Good to meet you in person or FaceTime or whatever this is. And thanks for having me. And
0: I uh, think you are in New York now. You came from Detroit. Can you share what's alive in your life at the moment?
1: Um, Yeah, what's alive right now is I'm in the process of creatively releasing a lot that has been sort of stagnant and holding on to it for many years. And I'm excited to be like putting it out and making space to work on the next things because I felt Uh like I'm holding a lot of creative work and it feels good for there to be motion as things start to start to move and release and
0: I'm curious because you are a creative uh, person but how long have you been a poet or when did you become a professional poet how did the journey
1: go sure so it started I heard a poet perform his name is NQ he's a brilliant poet and he I just like the words were like buzzing and I could feel my arms literally vibrating and I started writing on the way home just like trying to figure out what was happening in me and the first two lines rhymed and I was like all right, fuck it, I can do this. Um, And I I finished that poem and then started writing a little bit more, had some friends who like were throwing events and they they liked the poems and they asked me to perform them at the events. And so that started to build and grow. And it wasn't like a main job or identity for several years. But then after I may turn some of them into films and those films, you know, went viral and spread around and um, I was getting more and more requests to perform. It became more something that I identified with. And something that makes money sometimes <laughs> and it's uh, yeah, yeah. It's a big part of my life and definitely maybe the biggest or one of the biggest parts of my heart and um, uh, what I do here.
0: Cause you said you make money sometimes and I, I like your uh, creative piece that what do you do uh, video? <laughs> uh, my ex-girlfriend, she was into uh, acting, uh, copywriting, uh, voiceovers, like all sorts of different things. And sometimes she was struggling a bit with the question like, what do you do? Because she didn't really know how to explain it, but she felt she, she had to explain it better. But I'm curious, why did you choose to make a creative work on the question? What do you do?
1: It was out of that same, yeah, that same frustration of like, just especially being in some like communities of people that are so just like interested in a lot of like status and powery things. And like the first question people asking being like, Oh, hi, who are you? What do you do? Just like work being so (laughs) defining in a way that I didn't like. And, so yeah, I answered with that. That's a complicated question because I think you're asking to get a general sense of my power and income. And besides the fact that my answer won't give you one, that seems like a pretty dumb basis on which to judge someone. See, I'm a poet. And that might be confusing if you were expecting a more traditional like answer, like I'm a freelancer, doctor, investment banker. But what's frustrating is that those people aren't their jobs either. And look, maybe you're just making small talk. You asked one question after all. And after all this jabbering off, you'll probably need a Tylenol. But then comes your follow up of, oh, like you make money as a poet and sometimes not all the time it's not like every time you hear me rhyme i make another couple of dimes, but i'm doing fine it's just something that i am and you might have preconceived notions of struggling artists and depressing poets but i happen not to fall into either of those categories so you see i have as many problems with the poet label as it has with me but i've done some thinking and i'm not sure there's a better word for it I guess I could say I serve eloquent messaging tonics. I spend impeccable rhythm and get an A for the phonics. You know, this is like a big part of the reason I'm on it. And humanity's suffering is endlessly chronic. And my words help you tap into a deeper subconscious and figure out how to release your shit from it. Like, Like a sonic colonic. Yeah, hi, I'm Max. I'm a sonic colonic. (laughs) Or I could say I turn complex concepts a little less convex I make people who move too fast stop and reflect I'll put you inside the head of a Tyrannosaurus Rex Looking up at the first meteor shower Perplexed how these beautiful, dangerous, speeding objects Could have such complete and utter disrespect For his total territorial dominance When just moments ago he was at the apex of the animal kingdom Having more T-Rex sex than you'd ever expect I guess I could say I'm a man who injects your mind with the perspective of T-Rex who just figured out that we're all tiny specks. (laughs) (laughs) And so, yeah, I wrote that as a response, which I would then sometimes like actually respond to the question with that. (laughs) Funny things started to happen where like, people would be like, wait, this is rhyme." Like it's turned into a weird thing to do one-on-one. But every once in a while, I will enjoy actually responding to the question that way in a live conversation and the right people get a kick out of it.
0: I think it was really, uh, really cool. And I'm um, studying your work a bit and I saw the What Do You Do video.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I also saw that you've been featured on the Being Real podcast where you talk about authenticity mm-hmm. and also that some things in life are kind of an illusion And this what do you do question is kind of important because a lot of people answer maybe with banker or consultant. And then that's kind of pretending that that's what they are. Mm. Um, uh, So I feel this has a bit of a bigger importance, right? That you're kind of provoking a bit people with this thing. So what is the the deeper meaning of this video to you?
1: I I mean, I even like what you just framed of the difference between what we do and what we are. It's like what we do is not what we are and Mm -hmm. there's conflation of that sometimes and yeah I mean the point of the video is to be playful with like this question that I think so many people just kind of hate answering and we put so much stock in and so I try to sort of flip it on its head in a way that like actually creates fun and engagement and something that is like human interesting and so yeah I really enjoy it I don't I don't perform that one on stages very often but I like it a lot it's just like a fun yeah, and a lot of people who have strange jobs often message me and are like, "I really like that one." Like, a, <laughs> like sort of a <laughs> little fuck you to the question.
0: It's a little fuck you. Know, I think it's a great uh, uh, piece of work. And your special uh, words that move. Uh, what is kind of your intention uh, with creating that? Uh, I mean, you talk about many different topics, but what is your key intention?
1: Sure. So that was. Uh, so I've been performing the live show all around the country and I guess world for before COVID. And that was the first time I had done that. I had taken, I had performed individual poems or sets of like 15, 20 minutes, but I hadn't done like a full hour show. And that was the first full hour show. And I was first like a full hour of poetry Are people going to be into this. Um, And then I found the sort of mixing of comedy. And I put together this thing that people were leaving, just like lit up and fed. And it felt really good to do. People were receiving it really beautifully. Um, And I had turned individual poems into films before successfully. And I thought, could I do the same thing with a full show? I want to honor this full show. I want this show that I love, these nine poems, each of which means so much to me can I create something that will let these all live together and the show live together in the digital world? And that was the intention behind the special. Yeah. Which is now out and the world can have it. And that feels so good. Um, yeah, we can, I'm sure we can link in the show notes and things, but it's on the words that move.com website or that move.com slash special and yeah it's like the purpose is really just to honor each of the poems in it and try to let them reach the hearts and ears and minds that they're meant to and doing things like what we're doing right now helps that happen so i'm grateful to be here
0: i think it's uh i really enjoyed it um i mean you are maybe in a different world but for me i don't like watch poems uh, every day so it's kind of <laughs> a new way new yeah, way of absorbing... most
1: people are like yeah. <laughs> more than like me in that way
0: the new way of absorbing information and uh, one of the pieces of advice that you gave is uh to people to ex- explore psychedelics i was curious why did you give that piece of advice in your in your show or in your special
1: yeah it's like a moment where i sort of almost interrupt the show to be like you should all by the way try like you know in a safe space do your research but like you know try, psychedelics are wonderful which is i think like of all a lot of the show is about perspective and shifting perspective and the thing that I know to shift human perspective most fundamentally and best in beautiful, open and loving ways for me has been psychedelics like there's nothing that has compared to that visceral sense of like seeing outside of ourselves and towards a collective humanity that means a lot to me and I'm actually getting ready to release uh, another short film that's about that my relationship mm. with psychedelics. Um mm. Uh, yeah, I can certainly let you know when um, when that's out or maybe we can even time the, the release of this podcast with the release of that um, because I'm getting ready to birth that one out into the world too. But that's a a conversation with like a newer version of me and an older version of me arguing about how often we should do psychedelics. Hmm. And it's a, it's a fun little back and forth.
0: And um, did the psychedelics have a I mean, I assume the answer is yes, but did it have a direct influence on your creative work?
1: Um, I think they have such a profound influence on the individual, on me that, so of course it touches everything. Um, I can't tell you that it was like, oh, before psychedelics, this type of creativity after this, but it's just a, it's just like a difference in seeing. And so I think it, uh, you know, I, it's hard for me to imagine that I would be a poet and creating what I created if I had not had these visions of like these shifts in how i see and so i don't think i can fully attribute psychedelics to the creativity but it's it doesn't hurt that's for sure
0: no i can imagine it maybe also get did it also gave you the confidence to really pursue this path or it's more on, on the things that you saw itself i don't
1: think it's that linear it's the truth for me but like mm-hmm. it's you know it was a wonderful experience and was just really how it has been really helpful for me as a human being and and how i live in the world and see the world
0: I see but it's not like one leads to the other in in like a linear
1: linear way. I don't think so. I don't think psychedelics operate in such a linear fashion.
0: <laughs> I've been exploring it recently and it is indeed profound but it's not easy to bring on the words. Uh so it's indeed something to be felt. But I kind of like that you put it there so to kind of give people advice, like try it out and then you can see for yourself.
1: <laughs> yeah. And it's also like adults, you know, I think when your brain is more fully formed is probably the good time to do it. I don't think you want to do it too young. And there's, you know, it's some people with psychosis, like maybe you want to be careful about it if you're hanging onto reality by a thread. I, I have a little regret about like not giving a little bit more caveat. <laughs> but mm. in general, my attitude is that these are wonderful medicines that can really help
0: humanity. Yeah. And um, so you're positive about psychedelics. And another part where you're maybe more skeptical or you want to create awareness is around technology. Can you share a bit about your your vision on technology and your work that you do with young people around technology?
1: Sure. I like starting out with the vision. Um, Yeah. I mean, right now we're living in this attention economy where all the success of these companies is measured by how much time we spend on them and how many times a day or a month or whatever we're using them. And I don't think that has led to much of a world of tech that feels good for almost anybody. And I would love for these social networks to be using, like... using all this plethora of data that they have, not to just like figure out what will get us to click and like and scroll, but what if these spectacular machine learning algorithms were trying to optimize for us, like helping us live by our values and achieve our goals, helping us expose new opportunities we wouldn't have realized were there without social media, connect with people that we wouldn't have met otherwise that we later say we're glad to have in our lives. Like how cool would it be if social networks were trying to measure their success that way as opposed to the time that we're spending on them. And I have a vision for like the, you know, the app store to be more like a help center with intention of I'm going in for, what is it for? I'm bored and I want to space out. Okay. What are the things that were really good for being bored and spacing out? Let's see some of those. I want to be creative and I want to see something new and get inspired. What was really helpful for people in that? Like I would love to see a world of tech that was both measuring on and offline. What is helpful in, humans being our most brilliant human selves and then like that's a social network or a digital world that i would gladly pay for um and i think the cost of the free one that we have right now is pretty ugly on our mental health on our sense of reality on our social cohesion and And yeah, it makes me sad. And when I'm not being a poet and an artist, I do this work talking to kids in schools about how social media is impacting their lives and society. Um, And I have an organization called Social Awakening that does that work. Um, But yeah, certainly a lot of my time is spent living in this space of how do we help humans in this very weird world of technology, especially about social media.
0: So you spread awareness with your vision. Do you also provide these people with certain practical recommendations on how they can reduce the time spent or shift their usage of social media?
1: Sure. So I think I don't think time is necessarily the best place to look. Um, Time is maybe one thing to, to look at, but I think it's much better to look at our overall lives. Like, how are we doing? How are our social relationships? Like, how is our sense of self, mental health, identity? Like, how are we doing? And then how is technology or social media impacting that? Um, For teenagers, we see a lot of really challenging uh, struggles with body image, like especially for 10 to 14 year old girls getting on social media and the social comparison seems to be creating quite a bit of depression and anxiety just from like this constant social comparison machine that's that technology is, And you know, for them, I'm telling them to unfollow all the instagram influencers and fitness models who are making them feel inadequate about themselves like i recommend for teenagers at least try see what the world is like without social media on your phone with a group of friends try it, see what it feels like to not have the social apps on your phone. Things like even waking up with a physical alarm clock and not your phone. So you're not checking it first thing in the morning. Um, there are a lot of sort of steps and we've got some more on the website, but um, it's very hard. It's a very hard thing to have a really intentional relationship with, especially if you're a teenager. And it's a, it's a difficult time to, to navigate that world.
0: And did you read the book uh, Digital Minimalism? Have you heard about it?
1: By cal Newport. Yeah, it's a good yeah. one.
0: Yeah. No, I, I I read it and it um, it made me more aware. Uh, I think he advises that you should be intentional. Every app has a certain functionality in your life instead of just having the app and being a bit more intentional about it. Have I you been
1: able to integrate that?
0: Uh, to a certain extent. I mean, I removed Facebook a few years ago. Nice. And um, I am more aware of certain like digital-free days. And I've become more intentional about my leisure time Mm. because I've always been quite passionate about my work or my self-expression. And then leisure was kind of maybe after that, Uh, but being a bit more intentional, like, oh, this, I want to go to the waterfalls. I think it was interesting advice. Uh, It was, let's say, non-digital advice, but still connected to digital minimalism. I don't know. Did you get some ideas in the book or did you remember from it?
1: Um, It's been a while. Um, But yeah, I I like the principle based approach. And I like how you mentioned, in some ways, it's not about technology, but it is because I think that's what it takes to make the shifts where we're actually thinking about that intentionality. And Mm -hmm. what am I really using this for? And he might underestimate a little bit, I think, how hard it is to actually do that. And especially hard it is for a teenager. But yeah, I mean, it's a book I recommend to others. And it's, um, it just seems like helpful for having intentional tech principles and seems like a good one that at least turns the norm on its head where everybody's in such a connected world. So I just remember reading it and being like, Oh, I'm, I'm glad this exists and that, mm-hmm. that people are going to be thinking about it this way.
0: And how did you uh, get so passionate about this topic? Is it because you had certain issues with it yourself or did you work in the media industry before? What made you passionate about it?
1: Um, Yeah, I worked in the industry for a small social media company. We weren't that good at this stuff, but we were playing the game, trying to steal all the attention. Um, (laughs) And yeah, I met Tristan Harris, who sort of started a big part of this movement. And if you've seen The Social Dilemma, he's heavily featured in that. And I wanted to help however I could. And he, we were getting all these emails from parents students and teachers basically saying what the heck do we do about this whole smartphone and social media thing and i thought maybe my perspective can be helpful and so i come in letting them know how this stuff is designed and sort of talking about some of the ways it's changing how we see ourselves see the world and Trying to help them decide for themselves: How do you actually want to live? And how do you actually want to live with technology? Is this ridiculous stuff we're doing something you actually want to choose, or do you want to live more intentionally? And that takes up a lot of my time right now. That work is very busy and in very high demand. There is very few schools who are not struggling with this social media challenge.
0: Yeah. Now I can imagine. I'm also aware of it. So sometimes I really need to take time off, and. Um, You said that technology, uh, it really defines how you live. And uh, one of your mantras seems to be that in society, we're kind of pressurized to to think a certain way that certain things need to go uh, in a certain way or are supposed to go. And in one of your scenes of your special, I see people dancing on the metro station. You say something like uh, breaking the norm. Mm -hmm. And then you see people uh, dancing. And I kind of like that part because dancing is, is celebration, is life, but sometimes we forget that we can dance on, on a public uh, metro station. So what is kind of your philosophy around this, okay, society pressures rises to think a certain way versus thinking authentically?
1: Yeah, I think if I had to distill some of my like main rally cry for people in humanity that I want, it is like. Hey, can we really be aware of how spectacularly beautiful life can be and actually make our own choices and live our own lives? Like can we see the amazing number of possibilities that are always here and live into them? And that's what that poem is about and of you know as crazy as it sounds in these crowded subway stations in New York where everybody just kind of looks miserable and it's like kind of just like waiting and in the summer it's hot and sweaty. It's just like, when is this train gonna come? That poem is sort of romantic story of, like, what are we missing? Like, what are we missing in those moments and what's and what's possible? And it's not necessarily recommending that we all be dancing on the subway all the time. Uh-huh. It's much more of like, hey, like, can we take the moment that's in front of us, a moment that we might perceive as I'm waiting for something and look around at what if I wasn't waiting? Like, what if I'm just actually here now and there's incredible opportunity here now? What is here for me now? Because more often than not, it seems like there is a tremendous opportunity right now, almost yeah. all the time, even if it's hard to notice what that is, and even if it's the opportunity is to feel deeply my sadness and to have a good cry, like underratedness of that opportunity too. Yeah.
0: I I agree. It is very important to to be here right now and especially if you're waiting for something, not to be annoyed, but but enjoy that moment. How do you apply this in your own life? Because I think you have an interesting combination of being an artist but you're also entrepreneurial um you know how to promote your 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 things and marketing so you have this combination and you need to be future looking also right to promote go to next shows so to what extent are you able to apply this in your own life amidst all the the,
1: the schedules um i think i've recently gotten better at it with the work with tech and schools i hired somebody who helps me with like those schedules in the future looking and allows, which allows me to be more present with creativity. Actually, I very much want to hire somebody whose job it is. is like, I want to create the things and be in the moment and have their job be to just like help it find people, like help it get out to the world because I do find myself dwelling on past creativity, dwelling very much on, like, the last thing, as opposed to being as open to the here and creatively. I'm not happy with myself for sitting on so much of these... That show you watched, I was sitting on it for at least a year of, like, where it just could have gone out and hadn't. These short films I'm about to release even longer. This book of poems, like, a while, too. And, like, no, like, I want to get better at, like, with my creativity of being able to, like, be present and moving on to the next thing. And to be honest, I think that involves in enrolling others in believing in me and in this work. And that's obviously not easy and not easy for everyone to do and takes resources sometimes, but also luckily the, some of the, some of that work has been lucrative enough that I, you know, I can at least afford that. And what is the cost of it as well to my life? And I value presence so much and I would like to get better at it in that creativity. And Mm. like, you know, some, some of my friends or my girlfriend, um, sometimes like I'm a little bit of a crazy person with how much I just like want to be like with what's here now and get rid of all of the stories or reasons. Just like, no, what are you feeling now? What's happening now? But it's it's what I believe is like a a gateway to truth and intimacy. And I love those things and it's how I want to live my life.
0: (laughs) Uh, I think it's beautiful and, um, involving people, indeed it pays off. I, i'm incredibly lucky to have uh, someone in south africa a young man who is supporting me with the podcast oh cool i'm enjoying it so much more uh, because he's supporting me sort of work yeah um, it pays off my energy level is higher because some nitty-gritty details he really supports me totally
1: yeah that was something that took a while for me to you know it's not easy to like really make that step but that has his name is saf who helps me and he's in the uk he's awesome and Uh has been so helpful running operations for this organization
0: That's amazing, yeah. So when we talk about presence a little bit slightly connected to this topic maybe it's a little bit different topic is a topic of radical uh honesty um i uh, what i enjoy about podcasting is is researching people and i was going through a few random i don't know google searches and at some point i listened that you don't fully believe in radical honesty but can you elaborate ex- exactly why you don't believe in it or what that means
1: so i believe that that like I think depending on the definitions, I often do believe in radical honesty, but I have noticed in several communities that radical honesty gets confused with people just like blurting out every thought or feeling that they're having. Like, I believe there's a difference between honesty and truth. Like, I don't think that I don't think that it is that truth is like just expressing every thought and feeling that comes out in us. I believe in radically Checking in what's happening in me, like what's really going on here, and can I express that and be open and honest with everyone around me about the things that, like, really feel like they want to be shared and feel important to this moment and feel an integrity with my relationships and friendships and whatever that may be. I'm very much into that. I just, like, noticed, you know, a certain level of sometimes narcissism in some of these communities where it's just like, oh, I'm just being radically honest. I'm just, like, sort of putting putting my stuff onto other people without actually the ownership. And it's not real radical honesty. It's not real radical truth. And so I'm just, I'm cautious of the term because I've watched it get misused, but I mm-hmm. think the attention behind it, I'm usually behind. Does that make sense? Yeah.
0: It makes sense. So it depends on how it's used, but if you're just always radically uh, sharing stuff because you just want to get rid of it, then it's not a real radical yeah, bond. That honor. doesn't feel like it's really
1: in touch with like the full picture. And I would prefer that like, we really check in. Hey, what's really happening for me? And can I share my truth? As opposed to just like, well, I'm having this thought and I'm having that thought, so I have to say it to you because now I'm in integrity. If you're not telling me like, your thoughts, it's like, mm, this thing is missing. <laughs> and I've seen that around. And it's like, get your nonsense away from me.
0: <laughs> I, I see. I understand. And you touch upon the word uh, community. And uh, the the person that uh, Sasha that introduced me to you, her episode is around communities and Burning Man. Mm -hmm. Um, so i'm curious what what role do communities uh play in your life and is is burning man one of those or not
1: um it was once um i felt less aligned to it more recently the spirit of burning man of this radically different place where people come and build things and build a whole city and society and create things and then tear it down without leaving a trace behind and the sense of play and magic that can happen there i really love that And I've had great experiences there. Um, I haven't felt just like as connected to that world as recently. Um, The most recent time I was there, it's like a lot didn't feel right. It felt hard for me to find things that felt like me and felt connected to me. Um, I, yeah, I've gone in and out of different communities. I'm currently in a process of like, with like very, with a lot of discernment, being very like intentional about who I spend my time with, who I develop my relationships with. And I'm being very hopeful. I'm really enjoying the times when they get to meet each other and connect with each other. I'm longing for the like people that I connect most deeply with to also connect with each other, which is not always the case. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm in the process right now of uh, of building like a community that feels most authentic to me. I think in the past, I've like latched on to other different things that mm. did quite serve me. And I'm yeah currently in the process of building ones that feel right for me. And as you know, with poetry, we have like a writing group Like, there's probably like 80 people are in that right now that get together, you know, some of them get together once a month, we write together. And that's felt like a really safe, warm, loving place where I get to hold space. I have a men's group I'm in on Monday nights. And like, that's a space that is really intimate and uh, and connected. And these are all communities that I value. And just socially, I am currently in the process of like really hopeful, being very hopeful and trying to create more instances where the people I love who are around the world get to also love each other so that we can all hang out In some ways yeah. it's selfish that like I want us all to hang out that's so much fun
0: <laughs> it, it, it sounds really cool and I'm uh, I'm curious um, I don't know how old you are I'm 36 I have some friends from high school from university I have individual friends but things shift along your life and now I'm, I'm traveling sometimes I'm also asking you know what is now my community um, recently i did an event with some podcast guests it was kind of fun um are you creating it let's say informally you bring people together or will will have let's say a formal name and 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 principles i don't know if you can share about yeah. it no, i'm
1: very skeptical of any of the formal name and principles things it feels mm. like it gets other stuff seems to creep in when we try to <laughs> <right>? <laughs> we are this and we're not that and so i'm like i really deeply value like freedom and people like being who they are and it's, okay i don't i don't love the it's this it's exactly this we're all coming together being this thing so it's much more informal of just like being hopeful that the people that i really love and connect with deeply also connect with each other yeah. so yeah, yeah i've got like you know a couple of but like one friend i still stay in touch with in high school like a college friends i'm in a fantasy football league with that's how we stay in touch <laughs> 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 um but yeah the those those connections are not as I would say intimate as, um, the friendships. And I would say the past decade of my life.
0: No, I see. So, so that's what you're going to do. And then you have this group of 80, um, uh, uh, poets and they kind of uh, you, you share inspiration, opportunity. I, I've I've never been in a group of poets. I'm curious, like, can you share a bit? how say it if
1: you'd like to come. So the the only criteria of this group is like, just come, you come every month? Like, month I'll host a writing workshop, and so it's three people who have been to one of these writing workshops, and it's really just like every, you know, everyone's a poet, and it's not like you're that you have to be like I'm a poet, but everyone's a poet, you know? It's like <laughs> you are a poet. You can write. You're a poet, um, and yeah, we just like get together, we talk, we write, and then we share what we've written. And it's just like, it's a creatively supportive group. But it's not about like, you should fix that line. It's just like, oh, it's so wonderful. Whatever wanted to come out of you and yeah. kind of therapy-esque. And yeah, it's just like a, a WhatsApp group that isn't so active when we're not getting together, but it's like a place where we yeah. know that we're going to get together every month or so.
0: I see, but it's uh, everyone is a poet, you know. Once you decide you want to be a poet, you can you can right, give it shot. In this
1: moment, I'm going to be a poet, and I'm going to write it, even if I don't identify as one. As soon as I leave this room,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's beautiful. That's a that's a new perspective. Talking about um, uh, men uh, men group, um, I've flirted with with some of this work, but I've never been in a, in a structured one. Uh, but there's a different energy when you're around men. I mean, what does it bring to your life?
1: So for me, uh, I was initially exposed to it as a couple of people I knew had gone to these men's retreats and thought they were so amazing and wanted to bring it back and spread the message. Um, And I was like, okay, they're all so excited about this thing. Let me check it out. Um, And if you had told me before I started this work, Like, Max, it's really important that you feel your feelings in your body and release them. I'd be like, what are you talking about, dude? What does that even mean? Um, But then through this work, just like recognizing, oh, like all the little stresses, all the little things in my life, like build up and literally feel stored in my body and tissues. And if I'm not processing and feeling into those and letting those expand and release, I'm like holding on to a lot of old stuff and not being my clearest self. And this work has allowed me to just like, have a practice of really a space where I can feel my feelings, like feel them fully, let them grow, let them be as big as they want to be um, and release. And that's been a very helpful practice for my life. Um, yeah. I've, I've been in two, like two of these groups, the first one, uh, yeah, left the first one and started the second one. And yeah, this one I've been doing now for, I guess, four or five years. And it has its you know its ups and downs and conflicts and part of it is figuring out how to deal with those conflicts lovingly and like Uh um yeah it's work it's like hard and sometimes very stressful but also a a space that i am committed to and have been showing up to just about every week
0: it can be beautiful i have a i mean i have a very small one with three men like every two weeks we share what's going on in our lives so we've created let's say a small version but it is indeed uh, beautiful uh Uh, Talking about men, so in your uh, show, uh, there's also a part about uh, Me Too. And then you you made me aware that uh, men typically, uh, or let's say on average, are stronger, have a stronger physical strength than uh, women. And let's say something bad happens, like rape, for instance, maybe there's justice in the future. But in this moment, the man is stronger than the women. I never... um, uh, thought about it so explicitly uh to be honest uh before uh yeah i don't know why but i just never thought about it so explicit so why did you kind of highlight that
1: uh so yeah one thanks for acknowledging that it was the same for me like until like that was just one detail of it that i feel like as a man it's just easy to not cross your mind that like oh right like often women are like being hit on by these just like physically bigger like things that could hurt them if they wanted to. And most of the time, probably will not. But just like that that imbalance is there a lot. And I hadn't like thought about those subtle nuances of that safety. And then the Me Too movement really made me think about it um and then i would ask these some female friends like oh have you ever been hit on in a way that like wasn't actually like aggressive or rape not the extreme examples but just where you were feeling unsafe like just because of this dynamic and they were like yeah all the time what are you talking about dude um and i was like huh like how i hadn't thought of it how can i help myself and other men think about that and I loved this metaphor of if aliens invaded and they were giant and they were super sexually forward and into guys, just like what would the world be like for us if we were just kind of wandering the earth with these creatures, awesome creatures that we want to hang out with, like, you know, add a lot of value, but like, are also just like kind of sexually aggressive with us. Like what would that feel like? And I thought that metaphor was helpful. And I've gotten a lot of messages from women about feeling seen from, from that analogy.
0: I think it is helpful because then you can visualise how it is, you know, if certain uh, species, uh, uh, I don't know, start attacking you in a club or start dancing with you. <laughs> yeah. <right>? and,
1: species, <laughs> putting it. and, you know, and it's tricky also because as a man, part of the work is like learning how to trust ourselves and our own safety and like, and to figure out our own boundaries and how to express our needs and desires and let that be rejected and be okay. Like, just like sort of different work, I think, that comes on the men and the women's side of this. But that piece, you know, I also I also hope that piece does not discourage men from feeling like that it's OK to talk to a woman or approach a woman, because that's already something that is very hard to do and takes a lot of courage and I think it takes a lot of time and development to be able to be like, hey, like, I know that I'm a safe person, I'm going to do this, I'm going to respect any no's or signs, I'm going to be aware of our physical strength differences, but I'm not going to like, not going to run away and never be afraid to make anyone or sorry, never do anything, because I'm afraid to make people uncomfortable. So like, that's a flip side of it, too. But I think yeah. the way society is now, it's a helpful reminder that, uh, that yeah, that we're these Bigger sort of Ofi kind of things that uh, <laughs> that really love women and can be kind of forward and aggressive.
0: Yeah, no, it is. Uh, it's a good way of, of reminding us of that. And um, another topic that you talk about is is God, and and um, and that in some interview you say that we are all the same, or or you are me, or I am you, something something like that, like this spiritual idea. Uh, can you elaborate a bit on on this? Idea, maybe I I framed it wrong. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Can you, yeah? Can you share a bit?
1: So this is one that's very hard to put into words. Um, there's a, I think honestly, the best I've ever heard it explained is a short story called "The Egg." Have You ever heard of the Egg? No. Um, that puts it, I think, better than anything I've I've ever seen. It was wild to to have to watch the Egg after believing this already, which is its own version of of it. Um, but yeah, essentially the belief is like, I believe there's one thing, like literally one thing that is looking at existence in itself from all of these different perspectives. And so like, I don't mean, I don't mean that as a metaphor. Like, I mean that quite literally, that there is the, like, that the literally, like the thing that is speaking through my mouth is also speaking through your mouth. Like that, that is the same thing. Um, and yeah that's uh like you know and I an extension of it would be like what I believe in terms of karma, sure, there may be some like within this life or within future lives we do something and we reap the percussions of that later. but I also believe that karma is instant that like the moment I am hurting someone, I am literally hurting myself. I am inflicting exactly the amount of pain that I'm inflicting on me and feeling it from the other side there. I max don't feel that pain, but the eye behind the eye does feel that pain through this other person and same with joy and goodness that we give to each other of like, as soon as I'm giving that gift to someone, I'm giving it to myself. Like I am feeling that on both sides. And so, yeah, that's, you know, psychedelics have certainly played a part in that a friend, Alice Frank, my barber also who's in the, like in the, uh, in the film, like both of them have been very, uh, very instrumental to like that articulation and that belief um, but that is something it would be very hard to talk me out of.
0: And once you start uh, seeing that, that uh, everything is connected or everything is connected to the same source or one, what, what does that lead to? Does that lead to uh, people being kinder or more compassionate? Or what's the, 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 the goal of that idea or the intention behind that idea? So
1: I mean, When I get more in touch with it in my own life, it certainly allows me to be more, I think, compassionate and empathetic to those around me um it's also it feels worth iterating that like the point isn't so that we'll be more compassionate to each other like i i believe that it's just literally what's happening and as a result oh thinking about it and feeling into it it does make sense to like really take care of and respect the eye that is looking back at me mm-hmm. um it's like and i don't see it as like essentially for the you know it's not like oh know i believe this so that i'm more kind it's like no i believe this and how does that influence me it does allow me to like be i think more patient to like try to care more for others and act more for others i think it does have that impact and also i i just believe it to be true
0: yeah i think it's a there's a truth in this that i'm i'm maybe starting to understand and it's indeed hard to uh, uh put under words but also with psychedelics I started a it, and recently I was on a ayahuasca retreat in Ecuador for mm-hmm. a few ceremonies and I also kind of felt felt something like this. Um, Do you want to talk more about it? What?
1: Do you want to talk more about it?
0: Yeah, I can talk about it. I um, um it is, yeah, it is as of as if all the humans were all kind of connected and that maybe differences on a daily basis are not like truthful differences mm. so, uh, during my ayahuasca ceremony i was kind of flying on top of the world mm-hmm. and then suddenly i saw that of course everyone has bills to pay mm-hmm. and then during the day often we're busy and mm-hmm. then one is a poet one is a businessman one is i don't know a plumber but because we have these bills to pay but we but we don't always acknowledge that so we're so busy but beyond that, there's kind of love, there's connection, there's truth, there's happiness, there's this. And I could see more clearly that a big part of the time, we're kind of in this bill-paying kind of uh, mold. And that was kind of the view that I uh, saw. Yeah. And I thought that if you go beyond that, then there's connection. And I had one uh, idea Uh I think I had an idea of maybe doing like a business boot camp for some maybe more spiritual teachers, but then I thought, oh, but then I have to charge money and um, I've been knowing them kind of as friends and maybe they, they feel I'm commercial. But then I, I saw this place from love. Like I really think I can offer that to them and I can also send them an email like, Hey, I really would love to do this. If it resonates, I don't know, finances, maybe we can figure it out later, or maybe you can even ask input, but just like, Honestly, here I would be really excited to to do this for you. Yeah. But Then I also saw that the finances sometimes can be a barrier already. That you assume that maybe people don't want it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera.
1: I think money is a really tricky. Once you start talking about this, about spirituality, money is a really tricky component. Like, because also it feels like a trap. Like it feels very easy to fall into the trap of. Because, you know, in society, we understandably, a lot of us want money and want more money and in some ways need some amount of money to, like, survive and live the lives that we want to live and sometimes just, like, are just even for the things that we want, even if it's not needs for the things that we want. And it feels very easy to rationalize to ourselves that, like, we need to charge more or it's like, it's just, it's hard. I think it's really hard to stay in integrity with both money and spirituality. And in spiritual texts, what is it that say, like, it's easier for, uh, what is it for, like, a, a man to pass through the eye of a needle than, like, a a rich man to to go to heaven? Um, and wow. I think the idea behind that is that just, like, money is a complicated way of staying in touch with, like, love and truth. It's, like, it's just cause what you're saying, right? It's like, oh, I need this thing to charge money, but wait, money's this other piece of it, and I really just want to do it. And then i can going do it sort of look at cost, and then where does the money come from? It's hard. It's just like a yeah. tough thing to figure out. So I have, yeah. I have empathy for that and, and would encourage like, yeah, can you stay true to that? Can you be like, no, I'm really going to do this like in the ways that I want, like in the ways that feel right and that I want and we'll figure out the money parts and, you know, don't put yourself, you know, don't like put yourself in a bad position, but like where you can really be in touch with that because it's not easy. Yeah. And I think a lot of people very quickly abandon it, but I think it's important.
0: Yeah. I think it is important. So that was an important realization. And I think during ayahuasca, you can have different uh, realizations. But this was for me like this, this bill paying activities that I became more aware of. Talking about money, I mean, you are a creator and also, let's say entrepreneur, or I mean, you also have to promote your uh, work. Imagine someone is listening to this and this person is also like a creator but also wants to promote uh, their work. Do you have a few recommendations based on your own experiences? What like works, what doesn't work?
1: Um, So when my films were going viral, it was a very different social media ecosystem. Like, I don't think if I were to put out what I put out then today, I don't think it would have gone viral. Like the algorithms have changed. Like things are much more just like shrewd and you need to work in very specific formats to like get get them to reach and like the social media world is even more complicated um so like in terms of getting it in front of the eyeballs like yeah I don't honestly I don't know I don't know exactly how to do that with some of the new works that I'm about to put out um but what I will say is like I think the place where I can add value to someone listening is to just really think like what is it that you really want because if you're getting Ten views, you want a hundred, and if you get a hundred views, you're gonna want a thousand. And if you get a thousand views, you're gonna want <laughs> five thousand. And like, how are you trying to impact people, and then what are the mediums to do that? I can say for my film, I'm actually right. I'm right now at Beta Works in New York, where there's about to be a screening. It's felt really good to watch in groups, in like together with people. This film I created, it that feel that fuels me. I think more than just like a high number of views does and so like i would invite anyone creating something also like to yeah like throw yourself a party with friends after you've created a beautiful work and be like hey let's get together and like i want to share with you this thing that i made and if anything comes of that great but like to take the time to gather and celebrate your creativity because it can feel really draining to just sort of put it out in the digital world, that sometimes doesn't feel like it actually respects art and creativity, but just becomes machine about more and more and more views, 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 likes, 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 shares, shares, shares.
0: No. So a way is to start with organizing something uh, uh, for your friends. You talk yeah. about number, yeah. No, go after
1: her. Yeah, like, even if it's like you know, like, grab five, fr- you know, five friends, five people. You know, hey, I made this thing. Like, let's look at it together, watch it together. Like, I just want to give it to you. It's like a set where a gathering and celebration of this thing is so different than like, please share, please. Let's like this sort of begging energy as opposed to the celebrating energy. And I yeah. would really invite creatives who are putting their work out there just be in, to try to be in the celebration energy. Because there's going to be some begging too, but the celebration energy feels way better. <laughs> I,
0: I understand your point. So, um, of course, it will be great if maybe some people share it, but it's more implicit. You're saying like, hey, let's celebrate. Yeah. Um, and that's a different energy. And um, But I like that you use the word begging. Can you give an example of what is effective begging or, or, or what effective role does begging play? <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, well, I mean, I think the the of begging becomes like a form of manipulation of trying to show how what you've got is valuable for someone else. And, you know, it's some no form of marketing or sales. I'm not here to judge it. Um, but I certainly felt with this show when I was trying to sell it to the streamers. I felt like I was in a begging energy of like, please take like, Oh, please take this thing. Please share this thing I made on your platforms. Please, please, please. Um, as like, please buy this from me. It was pretty much what it is. And that just didn't feel good to give as an energy to relate to this thing that I love so much. And like, I'm so excited for people to have. And that was so draining. And so the contrast between that and inviting a bunch of friends together and being like, Hey, I made this thing. I want you to see it. And then seeing the reception and receiving the warmth from those people, like that just felt yeah. so much better. And yeah, but you know, that's I, not necessarily going to get you rich or get you the deals, but it, it also, it might relationships help to get those things and people feel excited to promote and share things, but that's not the point.
0: I like that part of celebrating energy. And what I also like about it is that you cluster a bit your activity so instead of like sending hundred emails on different dates, it's kind of you bring people together at one specific date and it creates a sense of urgency and a specific milestone. Uh, so that, Yeah, that it,
1: and more of a celebration that way, right? Like it's not no. just the, the message here and there. It's everyone together. Like, yes, we gathered, we're celebrating the arts, the creation, and that feels good. Yeah,
0: I've never asked this question actually before to a guest, but you have been on a few podcasts. Uh, I assume, as a spoken word artist, you also enjoy this. But do you, um, I mean, do people send you messages after? Do you see some concrete follow ups or, or, yeah, how, how is that for you? On podcasts? Yeah, on podcasts. Yeah.
1: Um, sometimes, like people being like, I listened to this and I appreciated that. Um, but I think that's a good question. I don't think very frequently, and is it like direct from a podcast? Because when I'm, I have so much work like online that I think I'm more often getting people being like, Hey, I saw this poem or I heard this thing you said and sharing about that Mm. every once in a while. I liked what you said on this podcast, but, um, but yeah, I think it's mostly, yeah, I haven't seen it so direct. It's a good question. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah, It's a good question. Do you get that?
0: More indirect. I get it sometimes. Um, but I'm just
1: wondering if they're messaging the host.
0: But I'm, I feel I'm also uh, still starting out because I've been doing it now for nine months. Cool. But when someone connects me, it feels more deep because they really have invested time. Sure. And I've truly enjoyed a few of the connections that have already been there. So through serendipity, uh, you, you attract the, the people. Um,
1: yeah, it's a fun web.
0: Yeah, that's, that, that's it. But I think it's a good advice to celebrating energy. And in the Soul Kitchen, uh, the concept is kind of people can find recipes for life. Uh, the listeners recipes for life. So I also would like to ask a question to you. Uh, based, on, How old are you, if I may ask?
1: 33.
0: Okay, so based on three years of, of life experience, what kind of the your recipe for life that you can share with listeners?
1: A recipe for life. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't think I have a better recipe than... Like, um, just about at any decision or point, I am almost always trying to ask, like, and really listen inside, like, what does love want right now? Um, and also, I mean, for me, love could be another word for the thing that looks through not just Max's eyes, but all of our eyes. Like, from that perspective, like, what does love want for me right now? How can I honor that right now? And I don't do it all the time. And I fall short of that a whole bunch. Um, <laughs> but that as a place to strive and like that as a North Star to check in with, I think is the closest thing that I have as a mm-hmm. recipe for life in terms of where to spend my time and my attention. I, th-
0: I think it is a beautiful recipe. And can you maybe give an example uh, in which you made a decision based on that recipe?
1: Sure. I actually feel called to do it right now. Like the check-in of... Like what does love want right now? Turn for me to breathe. Slow down. That's to look at you, just to say to you, it's like, hey, thanks for doing this, man. Like, thanks for having me on. Thanks for helping this thing that I care so much about, like, go to be seen and heard by more people. I appreciate that. And so it's, it wants me to say thank you right now.
0: Uh-huh.
1: That's amazing.
0: <laughs> uh, I like I liked it. Um, I like that recipe and also that you do it in this moment. Mm. Because for me, this is also kind of a labor of love, this project. And then through serendipity, I'm now meeting you and we're talking. <laughs> sure. Yeah, it's, but yeah, it's great that you together. you see me, right? I see you, you see me. And sometimes we forget like the example I gave earlier in like the bill paying business
1: mm-hmm.
0: we you can even forget that we're yeah two humans that kind of are now talking through kind of serendipity uh, events yeah but uh yeah i I take that uh yeah, that means a lot to me and uh yeah thank you also for your your time i I was really excited uh because you're yeah you you come from a let's say a different angle and um I really enjoyed watching your your special. So, yeah, thank you for your time. And um, before we close the episode, is there, I don't know, is there anything else you want to share with the listeners? I also enjoy connecting people. So if people want to meet you somewhere or how can they engage with you?
1: Yes, I think the the website is the best kind of hub for those different ways and has the special on it and all uh, workshops and other things, which is wordsthatmove.com. I am on the social medias. Instagram is probably the one I use most and starting to TikTok, even though I got a mis- mixed relationship with it. That's <laughs> us uh, tell you, those are ways to find me. And is there anything that I want to share? To close, anything else? I'll check in again. Of... Yeah, what comes through is you got this. You got this. You got this. Whoever's listening right now needs to hear you got this. Yeah, you. It was meant for you. You have got this. You got this. <laughs> That's
0: cool. That's a good word of uh, encouragement. Well, thank you very much for listening, everyone. You got this, and um, maybe I'll see you somewhere in the world uh, on one of one of your shows.
1: Maybe. Well, thank you so much, and uh it was great talking to you. And talk to you soon.